um, I don't know if you've noticed like I have, but when I go to IFC now, they've got big stickers on the door that say it is a platinum lead building. Probably a lot of people don't know what that means, but you might know after you listen to our segment today, Your Money, where Carolyn Wright takes a look at the importance of considering climate change for property developers. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. It's been hard to escape issues relating to climate change over the course of this year. So today we're going to take a look at how the property sector should be future-proofing itself to cope with that. Andrew Lau, Director of ESG Advisory at Colliers, looking specifically at the property sector with me today. Thank you for joining me again, Andrew. Thank you for having me here today. So we know that buildings here in Hong Kong have to cope with all sorts of severe weather conditions. But let's break it down into the different aspects, I think, for this conversation and obviously typhoons are a big we've had typhoons here this year as we do every year but are they getting stronger and do we need to be making buildings more capable of withstanding more extreme winds definitely we are seeing more severe climate events year after year and very often we add after the incident happened, which is not right right so typhoon is getting stronger rain is getting heavier and something we never really thought about is earthquake. It may come as well, right? We have more record of sensing the earthquake nowadays in Hong Kong. Everybody panic, but nobody doing anything. So earthquake and strong wind are basically equivalent impact to the building itself. So there's so many things we need to look into, make sure that we are future-proofing our assets. So what sort of things are those aspects that we need to be looking into to future-proof? There are two sides of it. One side is the technical side. From the technical perspective, we have to make sure everything is capable of the movement within the building. So if you think about the pipe, the joint, even the structure itself, is it allowed to move certain degree to make sure that when there's a strong typhoon or if there's an earthquake, the building is allowed to move a little bit, not very much, and it doesn't collapse, right? And I have a very experience before when I talk to the consultant, I ask them, oh, is a pipe, is a fixing, capable of move? And they say, yeah, yeah. Because if water bursts, there will be serious damage to the building. And then I ask another question, what about the fire stop? What about the fire barrier? Are they capable of move? And they say, no. <laughs> and, I, and I was quite furious. Oh, you think that water leakage causes serious damage and fire does not. Mm. So there's a, I think it's a change of mindset. People would need to really be aware this is coming, if not happened already. So we need to really design and think about building differently. So there's one side of things, like technical side. The other side is about the software side. So how many people is aware what we're going to do when there is a strong, severe climate incident happen. So let's say if there's an earthquake or a very strong typhoon, should we all run to the staircase or we all run to the lift? It's an important question, surely. Both are not correct, but <laughs> <laughs> we should find a very safe place to hide. I think this is a very important topic. We need to educate the tenants or the occupier visitors when there is a disaster happen, how should they respond? So, so it's almost like I think a, a lot of buildings here will have an occasional exercise where it's like, okay, this is what you need to do if you need to evacuate the building in case of fire. But we need to incorporate these aspects too. Exactly. So we do fire drill like once in a while, right? So what happens if other climate incidents happen? So there's very strong wind. What should we do? If there's very strong typhoon, what should we do, right? So I think those are the drill that we really need to start planning and executing and even have 
custom message that we send to anyone who is visiting the building or there is a panic room, for example, right? Or there is an area that is more safe. If there is any incident that happened, they should stay there and wait for rescues. Those are the things that are really important. Now, the black rainstorm that happened earlier this year, I think it's probably still very much in everyone's memories. And we all saw, you know, an entire MTR station getting flooded. What sort of things do we need to be looking at around there? Because you were talking about water leaks before, but things like electricity supplies, surely there's a lot of danger around that. Yeah, and there is a lot of training you've had that coming with that heavy rain happen. I think there's a couple of things, how we think about water in the first place. So when we talk to insurance company, they think, oh, water is the most difficult element from their perspective because all the damage caused in building is water. Uh, at the same time, water is like very precious. So we are very lucky because in Hong Kong, we are not shortage of water, but a lot of places, there's a lot of shortage of water. So when we design building and when we make recommendations to clients, we always suggest, what about we recycle the rainwater? So if we do that in the first place, we are able to reduce the impact with the heavy rain because we collect like a lot of them to recycle. We use like anywhere. You can use it for cleaning, you can use it for flushing, watering the plant, or even drink if they very good filtration system in place. So those are one thing. The other thing is about people management again. So what happened with this heavy rain? What does the people do? Are they panicking? Are they going looking for the same bed or are they going to shut out some of the door? So what is the plan? Yeah. I think this is very important. And the other thing is risk management. We always talk about do you consider this is a high risk of flooding? Will you still put your major equipment at the very bottom of the basement? Or are you going to uplift it to somewhere above the ground? So those are the personal choice or from the designer choice, right? So those are the things we really need to look into and consider. Worst case happen, what's a backup plan? Now, another thing that we get here, of course, is extreme heat. We're getting more and more hot days. And for many of us, that just means we put the air conditioning on more and more. And I think this all adds up to being terrible for the environment. So what are the alternatives and what should we be thinking about there? Well, this is a very big topic. I think extreme heat is one of the most severe climate risk for all the assets in Asia, not just Hong Kong. The important part is how we understand air conditioning in the first place. We are basically pumping the heat to the environment, to the outdoor. So as you mentioned, when we turn down the temperature, we actually causing more problem than we should. One thing is, shall we dress differently? Shall we behave differently? Back five, six years back, when I visiting southern part of China, people are generally comfortable with a indoor temperature of 28 degrees because the outdoor is at 40 degrees. So it's a contrast that making us feel different. And to be honest, I think a lot of people don't think that way. They think, oh, if the temperature is not low enough, they will feel uncomfortable. But in a matter of fact, it's not. It's the air movement that causes them uncomfortable. So what we should do when we design building or we design space, we should think a lot about the ventilation, how the air movement, how the people generally feel comfort to make sure that they're comfortable enough so that they don't have to ask for more air conditioning. That's one thing. The other thing is about the insulation of the building. Very often, we're trying to use the most cost-effective material for buildings, but we never thought about what happened when the outdoor temperature got up to 40 degrees, which already happened in the past few years. But when we design building, we still consider the outdoor temperature 36 degrees. That's where the building design cook is. So we are a few steps behind. If we design the building from like 40, 44 degree, when we have a very heavy jacket for the building so that we don't need a lot of energy on air conditioning. So that's the fundamental we need to change. 
We just need to rethink everybody's way of thinking about these things. Now, are there any other aspects towards climate change that I have not addressed yet? Because I'm sure, you know, you are the expert on this. I think climate change, there's two sides. One, we talk about physical climate change. The other side is about transitional. So when we talk about carbon reduction, net zero, those what we call transitional risk from the climate change. So how we actually impacting the climate is one very important topic. So in a professional term, that's called double materiality. So how the climate affecting our business and how our business affecting the climate. So air conditioning is one good example we talk about, right? When we need more demand, more air conditioning, we actually damaging the climate. So how are we going to transit from now to net zero in the next 15, 20 years? So that's a very important climate change issues we need to address. And a lot of effort nowadays has been trying to improve that, but we are not heavy enough. We are not serious enough. We are not urgent enough. We're still trying to meet the government timeline. And that's all we're trying to do. We could do so much more, but we are not trying hard enough. We all need to get our skates on. Yep. Really need to get going. Scary, scary times. We've run out of time yet again. I always enjoy speaking with you. Thank you so much today, Andrew Lau, Director of ESG Advisory at Colliers, for joining me today. Thank you.